If you would, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. As you know, Pastor Justin started the Ephesians series last week. Um, We're going to point back to a couple things this week. So as you're turning to Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to be looking today at verses 3 through 6. Verses 3 through 6. One of the saddest feelings in the world is the feeling that you're going nowhere. That you're alive, but you don't have a sense of purpose. You feel like there's no point. You get a little daydream, a little flicker of of what it might be to be a part of some big, really valuable thing. But then the world encloses around you and you feel insignificant, unimportant, and unpurposed. You wake up, everything looks small, insignificant, hurtful, pitiful. COVID only makes that worse, amen? But saints, we were not designed to live that way. We were not designed to have that mindset. We were designed with a destiny, with a plan in place. We were made to be sustained. We were made to have meaningful purpose. And last week, Pastor Justin said the church is God's plan to reach the nations with Christ's story. Amen. You are designed to be the church. And so when we connect, when the connection breaks down between our present life and our promised life, we get this unpleasurable existence. We have fear. We have sadness, depression. And when that connection breaks down between, like I said, that the present life and that promised life, the good and the beauty start to fade, people make some really poor choices. People make choices like, unfortunately, we have seen nationally and worldwide arise in people taking their own life. Or we've also seen a rise and an increase in people numbing themselves with foreign substances, drug and alcohol. And, uh, and it doesn't have to be drugs or alcohol. It can be uh, television, pornography. Um, it can be a, a, a number of things. Social media, throwing yourself into work and disappearing into your job. Doing anything you can to distract yourself from the reality that circles around us. Or you can seek to reestablish that connection between the present and the promised. And we see that our destiny is real. We see that what we are actually designed for is real. And today, I use the word destiny because it, 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 it is simply the way to connect this tremendous cry of the human spirit for purpose with the purpose. And so, uh, like I said, as, as Pastor Justin said last week, that the church is God's plan to reach the nations with Christ's story. This week, I want to establish in our hearts, this morning, who we believe in. Who we believe in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only that, I want to establish and count Him and remind you that He is Master and Savior, 
And I want to establish in our hearts an assured, guaranteed, predetermined purpose. It's beautiful. So that you don't ever have to sob over an empty day or scream over futility or you don't have to sink into a depression because you think that life just has no future because things seem gleam or, 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 or the future doesn't look as bright as it did maybe even a year and a half ago. And so the way that we establish this destiny for your heart the way we connect that good and promised future with the present that isn't always so good is that we're going to look at three things in our text today. We're going to see three things. This week has been really incredibly exciting for me to study. And I was, I was sharing earlier that in one portion of my study this week, I actually spent more time on a punctuation than I actually did on, on almost the entire sermon. So we're going we're gonna to take several weeks, probably months, to go through Ephesians. But today, I really want us to understand and establish. This is like the, the foundation. It's incredibly exciting to study this, to see this. I'm hoping that you're reading Ephesians every day, just like Pastor Justin challenged us to do. And so, a bit of a disclaimer, something that you might not know. But actually, verses 3 through 14 in the, in the original text in the Greek, it's all one sentence. It's all one continual sentence. Now, because of that, in the, it's 202 continual running words. No English teacher would ever pass you if you did that. So, uh, again, I said that that was in the Greek. Paul is clearly under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he is so excited about what he's saying in this section of Scripture. 3 through 14. We're only going to look at 3 through 6. But 3 through 14 in the Greek is one continual flowing sentence. He is so excited. Have you ever come across, say, maybe, and please, teenage girls, don't get mad at me for saying this, okay? But have you ever come across a teenage girl that is really excited about something? You can imagine a 202-word sentence that runs continually. I kind of picture Paul in this passage of Scripture as a teenage girl really excited about something, and he cannot take a breath. This is how awesome what we're going to see is. So he just keeps going and going and going. He probably ran out of steam, or the guy that was penning it was probably like, hey, 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 whoa, I need to put some punctuation in here somewhere. Can, we, can you take a breath? Take a sip of water. So it's absolutely necessary that we pay really close attention to what he's saying in here. It is needful for us to see ourselves in God's plan. In God's plan. Not just in God's response to things. Sometimes I think as Christians, we kind of think God is a reactionary person. Oh, things are, oh they're going that way. Let me push them back this way. But God is sovereign and all-knowing. And He predestined us. He chose us for something. So what I see in Ephesians here, I don't, I don't see God trying to fish around and kind of try and... He's not at a pond fishing for lost people. 
He's, he, is, he is the trout farm and he's pulling them out himself. I don't see God as, as kind of being reactionary and, and oh man, I've really invested a lot in these people. I kind of hope they come to salvation. This isn't God. That's not His plan. What we see in Ephesians 1 is God's master planning every single person into the church who is to be in the church. Before the world even began, before there even were people, this was already planned. And it's, it's history. It's simple history. The outworking of the story, the plan of God. Written and planned in eternity. And so this should excite us. Because then when you go back to the introduction and you think about, oh, the bleakness and the sadness, and the, that is temporary. And we're going to see. So Paul starts out. Let's read the text together. I want to be really spiritual and I want to open my Bible up and I want to read it. but I can't see the words on here. So I have to print it in 15 font on the paper. Okay? So I'm not being unspiritual. I, I, I did actually take it out of the Bible, but I put it on my paper so I could read it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Let's pray. Father, please control my tongue. Please help me transfer to Your people that which You have shared with me, that which You have shown me, and many others who contributed to the teaching of the Word of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul starts on this road to grasping this incredible concept, this incredible truth, by taking us all the way back to eternity past. By letting us eavesdrop, as you will, in eternity. Because it's there that God has planned this. It's there that God has planned you. It's there that God has planned you out, the church out, everything out. Nobody ever became a Christian and caught God by surprise. He didn't go, oh, wow, I didn't think they were going to come to a saving knowledge of me. He's never caught off guard by that. It's absolutely nothing escapes him. Let's look at verse 3 again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now let's stop right there for a second. We should start with what is blessed. What is blessed? Now I had to lay in my bed the other night with my laptop on and my wife was laying next to me and I couldn't pronounce this Greek word. So I had to go onto one of the many sites that help you sound like you know what you're talking about so you go in and you type the greek word in and it tells you how to say it and that was really hard for me to do because even after the guy said it i still couldn't say it so then i had to break it down and i had to 
to, to draw it out, eulogotos. I practiced that many, many times. Eulogotos. We actually get the word eulogy from this word. A eulogy, obviously, is something that you recite at someone's funeral. It, it usually means that you would speak well of someone. So to bless means that we would speak well of someone. To say someone is good. And God is certainly good. You've been around church any time at all. You go into a church and you say, God is good. All the time. People say it back. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 19, He says that there's only one who's good. And that's God. He's saying it to the rich man. He's saying there's only one that's good. That's why he says, sell, sell all your stuff and, and, and follow me. Only one is good, God. And when even confronted with the goodness of God, that rich man said, oh, no, I'm, I'm keeping my stuff. And he went away. I remember in one of my home groups years ago, uh, when we lived in Charlottesville and I was a community group leader, we had a conversation one night after group about the goodness of God. And I asked the question, I said, if God wouldn't have put on flesh and come and died for us. If He wouldn't have sent Christ to be the propitiation for our sin. If He would not have made a way for us to ever have communion with Him again, is He still good? You would have been surprised at the question, at the answers that we got. And I simply said, absolutely He's still good. Because God is righteous, He is right. And if that would have been His path, that would have been good. That would have been good. And so I, I, I just remember that because God is good, period. That's it. God is good. Because you're His child, this accrues to you now. It's His nature to be good. And of course, from Genesis to Revelation, we see the blessing of God. Speaking good of Him. Melchizedek in Genesis says, Blessed be the Most High God. Revelation, you have that, the great song, Blessing and glory and honor and power be unto Him that sitteth on the throne, unto the Lamb. God is blessed from Genesis to Revelation. We are continually to bless the Lord. We, we bless the Lord at the end of every service. In Psalm 103.1. But he's not only blessed, not only is he the blessed, but he's the blesser. Where does all blessing come from? James put it this way. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom there are no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So not only is blessed meaning to speak well of someone, but then God becomes the blesser and He provides things for us. Romans 8, 28. And we're going to look at verse uh, 28 through 30. Very, very common passage of Scripture. Probably most Christians that have been a Christian any time have this memorized. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. 
For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. In order that he might be the firstborn among brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. God blesses because God is the source of every good thing. And it was pre-planned. It's not a reactionary thing. It's not based on whether or not you were good, Charlie. It's not based on whether or not you were good, Tim, because you wouldn't be blessed at all. And uh, uh, I'm just kidding, man. I love you, brother. God is the source of all things good, and the blessing is pre-planned. God is not the source of an ATM that we punch a certain code and we get the certain blessing. He's made this entire world. He's made the entire everything. And He has planned it all. The bad things in this world come because man is a sinner, not because God is no good. We fell. We caused sin. And so when we say, I don't understand why God is doing this to me, Bad things happen because man is sinful, because man fell. Not because God is sending bad things our way. So we see that God is the blessed one. We see that He's also the blesser. And who are the blessed? Us. Us, and when I say us, I mean believers. That's us. We're blessed. In God's wonderful grace, in His marvelous providence, in His power and might, in His sovereign plan, He has chosen to bless us. That is mind-blowing to me because I wouldn't choose to bless me. I know me, and I wouldn't bless me. Who are the blessed? We are the blessed. Galatians chapter 3. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. So, here, I'm going to stop there just for a second. won't preach this sermon, but this is a whole other one. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. This is, this is Paul telling the churches, churches of Galatia that God had already planned to justify the Gentiles. I'm sure there were some Jewish listeners in there that didn't like that. This was not uh, God's reaction to the Gentiles. This was a pre-planned thing. It goes on and says, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Now he's making the connection. In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You see, it's we who are chosen of God that have a faith given to us by God that allowed us to then believe in Him. We are blessed. And I'm telling you, when you start to think about how rich we are in Christ, there's not a material thing that we have that, is, that, 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 that comes even close. It's really incredible. We are blessed beyond imagination. He lavishes us with good gifts. But, if our, but our carnal minds, our, our, our worldly, fleshly minds, whenever we hear that, even as I said that right now, some of us thought about material items when I said that. And he blesses, he lavishes us with wonderful gifts. 
He lavishes us with good gifts. Primarily the gift of salvation. So not only is God blessed, and He's the blesser, and He blesses us, but we're chosen. Now, this is a, this is a, a horrible comparison, but it, it, it's the best attempt that we can have when it comes to uh, uh, the idea of being chosen. God predestined us for sonship. What does that mean? Verse 5. Look at verse 5. He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Christ Jesus according to the purpose of His will. Now, anybody here ever been chosen last? For the kickball team or wiffle ball or football team? You ever been chosen last? You were chosen doesn't matter whether you got there first or whether you got there last. You're still on the team. We equate order with importance. And God doesn't. He has chosen us to be His child. And so the human mind has even taken the, the, the concept of choosing something and we've even tried to destroy that. We try to say, oh, you, but you were chosen last but you were still chosen. And so we're the ones that try and have an importance level to whether they were chosen. I've been a Christian since I was five, and some person might become a Christian eight hours before they die. It doesn't mean that one is any less chosen than the other. It doesn't mean that one is any less uh, 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 gifted and, 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 and washed clean. It just means that perhaps one of them might have had a little bit easier a road if they followed God's way in holiness and righteousness. Our destiny from before creation was to become His child. We were chosen. Now, let me, let me give you a very basic difference between predestination and, and choosing or election. Okay, We often run those two together, and they, they, are, they are the same, but they are different. The difference between predestination, which is mentioned in verse 5, and election, or choosing, as some of the uh, versions would say, which is mentioned in verse 4, and again, this is not an exhaustive answer, is that election refers to God's freedom in choosing whom He will predestine. Predestination refers to the goal or the destiny for which He chose them. You get that? It's a basic difference. It's a basic understanding. So when God chose you, He had a purpose, and so He predestined that purpose to come about. Namely, that you would become His child. That you would be part of His family. That you would become an heir of all that God owns. I think we kind of brush over this sometimes as Christians. We are heirs of all that God owns. We love to talk about the cattle on a thousand hills. They're yours. You will inherit them. When God chose you, He had a purpose. And so He predestined that purpose. That you would be a part of His family. And not only an heir, but that you would be 
like his son. That you would take on the image. You would take on the family likeness and the family name. It changes everything. Your destiny to be God's children is mentioned right there in verse 5. He predestined us into sonship or to be adopted as a son. The family likeness is mentioned there at the end of 4 where He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Why? For what? That we should be holy and blameless. That is the description of Jesus. Holy and and blameless. So he's saying, I'm going to, I'm going to, I've predestined your, 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 your purpose and I have chosen you to be in my family. We're chosen. I'm suggesting here that we're going to stop just for a second. We're going to look. Anybody here use the KJV on a regular basis? Uh, King James? Okay. I, 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 I spend a lot of time, I have a King James, I usually start in the King James and work my way to the ESV and I look at all these different things. If you'll notice, most of the versions that you guys have, if you look closely at the end of verse 4, you'll look closely at the end of verse 4. So I have an ESV, and if you look at the end of verse 4, which I have to bring closer to my eyes, if you look at the end of verse 4, it says that we should be holy and blameless before Him. And then there's either a comma, a period, or a colon there. There's either a comma, a period, or a colon there because it says in love is the next thing. In love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. So did you hear that? We're predestined to take on the character of God our Father, the character of holiness and blamelessness. That's our destiny. As I read from the ESV, it has at the end of verse 4, not, a, not the beginning of verse 5, but at the end of verse 4, there's a period there, and it says, Him. It ends right there. And then the next sentence starts, In love. And as I read in the King James, I noticed the period was after in love. Wait a minute, what's going on here? Does in love go with holiness and blamelessness? Or does it go the other way? Does it, does, does it go with, He predestined us for adoption of sons? You're probably thinking, why are you geeking out on this, Dan? I'm not saying there's a right or wrong, but hear me out. I'm suggesting that in verse 4, reads, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. Now, hear that differently. even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Holy and blameless before Him. The other way of reading it puts in love with predestination. This puts in love with chosen. It says in love, 
he predestined us for adoption to himself. I don't think either reading is necessarily wrong. It just refers to the love of God and tells us the way he predestined us and the order of the words in the Greek actually allow for both readings, which is probably why both translations have it differently. John Piper agrees with me. Actually, I agree with John Piper. But John Piper agrees with me because as I was reading some commentary that he had on this very subject, this is where this completely derailed my study. Because I had a King James here and I had an ESV here. And, and they, they had different punctuation. And it completely derailed my study. And I stopped and I read every person that I had any respect for on the subject. So actually John Piper agreed with me because he said, here's the main reason I go with the KJV. And put it with verse 4 and make the love the essence of our holiness. There's a parallel in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Verses 12 through 13 that goes like this. May the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all men so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father. So it's remarkable to me, and I'm still quoting John Piper here. It is remarkable to me that there are four parallels. The phrase, in love, may God cause you to abound in love. The combination of blamelessness and holiness, that he might establish our hearts in blamelessness and holiness. The phrase, before our God, which corresponds with the phrase, holy and blameless before him in our text. And the reference to God as our Father, just as we have the focus on sonship, in Ephesians. So sometimes when you're reading Scripture, I always encourage folks to read a couple different word-for-word -word or thought-for-thought -thought translations. Because sometimes it can cause you to pause and stop and dig a little bit. I have to be honest with you, I never probably would have linked 1 Thessalonians to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 had I not had a comma and a period. So, lastly, we're blessed, we're chosen, and we're adopted. It's beautiful. Look again at verses 5 and 6. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So, three quick things about adoption. And I, I, I'm an adoptive parent, so I really love the concept of adoption. But first, adoption is from him, from God. In love, he predestined us for adoption. So, it was his idea? it was his purpose yes it was it wasn't an afterthought it wasn't a response to the failed first nope it was designed planned coordinated it was his idea it's from him 
He didn't discover one day that there was this evil plan against him and that he was going to save somebody out of that evil plan. It was already planned. He came up with the idea of adopting us into his family even before we became his enemy. Secondly, we're adopted through Jesus Christ. What does that mean? What do you mean that we're adopted through Jesus Christ? It's God's plan. It's from Him. We're adopted through Jesus Christ. It means that be, to be adopted by God, we had to be died for. We had to be died for. Not to jump into Justin's sermon next week, but I want to just take a quick peek into verse 7. If you'll, if you'll let me just jump in there just a little bit. In Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Here He is connecting it to the riches of His grace again. So, first, adoption is from Him. It's through Christ because we have to be died for. And then the third thing. And we're going to follow Romans 11 here where Romans 11 says all things are from Him, through Him, and in Him. So we know that they're from Him, which we just said. They're through Him, through Christ. And they're to Him. The third thing about adoption is adoption is to Him. That is, it's for His glory. You see that in today's text. All throughout today's text, it's about the glorification of God. The goal of our adoption is that the glory of God's grace would be praised. The glory of God's grace would be praised. Friends, the point of this text is to teach every believer this morning that we owe our adoption into God's family to the purpose of God's will. It was His absolute will that you would come to Him, that you would be His child. We were chosen before the foundation of the world. Our, our future and our purpose was predestined and holiness and love, not according to what we had done, not according to what we could understand, not because of the family that we ra were raised in, not because of our bloodline, not according to our religious background, not according to where we lived or what status we had. It was absolutely because He willed it. He chose us and predestined us according to the good pleasure of God's will. The ESV words it, the purpose of God's will. The point of the double phrase there, not just according to His will, but according to the purpose of His will. It's meant to communicate to us something that God chose us and predestined us without any binding reference point. There was nothing that you did or that you would do that would make him want you any more or any less. No binding point. It was just his sovereign will. Now you might feel like I'm beating a dead horse with this, but the fact that before the foundation of the world, this very minute was designed should blow all of our minds and give every single one of us a foundation that could never be shaken no matter what goes on in the world. 
For God chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world that you might be holy and blameless. Now, how do I, how do I bring that back to the church? You are the church. This should excite us from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. We should be excited that we are blameless before him in love. He predestined us to be his child. Which brings me back, as I close, to Romans chapter 8. Revisit it with me as we close. All of what we just said, we're going to see as we read it again. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. And we know... Do we really know? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined, He predestined their future and their purpose to be conformed to the image of His Son, holiness. In order... That he might be what? The firstborn among many brothers. You're coming into the family. The judge not only set you free, but he said, you're coming home with me and you're my son now. You're not guilty and you're now my child. And for those whom he predestined, and here it is, uh, 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 I, I can't remember the, the Greek, but it's uh, order salute or, or uh, the order of salvation. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. I point this out every time I read this passage. It's all in the past tense because it's already finished. We're just playing catch up. So I just want to say to the person here that maybe, maybe a person here, you, you don't identify as a Christian. Maybe you're still lingering between called and justified. Maybe you, at this present time, you are. You're lingering between called and justified. That, that's where you, you are to cry out to Him. Because Leading up to, and, 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 and there are some new Christians in this room, and there are some people that have been saved since they were little kids. You responded to a call that before the foundation of the world was already beset. You were already chosen. It was, your future was already determined. It was predestined. And you responded to the call through faith faith given to you by him for the purpose of his will and so maybe right now you're lingering between called and justified cry out to him and accept the call do it now it's gonna happen it's predestined and you've been chosen and so some of you you say oh, i ran from god for so many years because he chose you He's not letting go. He's not stopping the pursuit. And so stop having sleepless nights and start having sleepful ones. Answer the call. Be justified by your faith. And then, believer, man, 
Rest in what we spoke of today. Rest in it. We should rest in our salvation. This is why salvation is a gift from God. It's given to us. It's not based on our behavior because we'd all be walking on eggshells all the time trying to determine whether we were bad enough to lose our salvation or, or, or whether we were good enough to get it back. So we rest in it. We rest in that solid truth that before the foundation of the world, He's going to glorify us. It's all part of the plan. We should be resting in that believer. And you too will rest in that unbeliever when you accept the call to be justified. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful. So thankful for your plan, for the purpose of your will, for the, ple- the good pleasure of your will that you would predestine a purpose and a future and choose us to be in your family. I'm so thankful, Lord, that that weight of sin and condemnation are not upon me. Thank you, Jesus, for bearing my sin to the cross. Thank you for that great exchange where you imputed your righteousness on me and took my sin and bore it to the cross. Lord, as we look around us right now and we get distracted by all the things that we think are solid, life-changing. We worry about our families, our communities, our country, our grandchildren, our children. May we rest in the fact that You predestined us in the great, good purpose of Your will. Lord, may we rest in that. May that bring us great comfort. May we not wrestle with, oh, why would God choose one and not another? May we not, may we not wrestle with that. May we rest in Your perfect salvation and Your beautiful, glorifying future for us. May we be a church. May we be a people that pronounce that glory to this world. And may those who you have called be justified and those who you have justified be glorified as you said it. In Jesus' name, amen.